Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. Before your favorite TV after show begins, we want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now... Let the buzz begin! Hey there, Agent Carter fans! Welcome to another jarvelish episode of Agent Carter here on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, that I couldn't even say it. I couldn't even say it. It's jarvelous. 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 It's a long A at the beginning. Jarvelous. Jarvelous. Yes. And uh, you guys can bet we will definitely be using that hashtag in the future. <laughs> Let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic panel for tonight's episode as we talk about season two, episode. Four of Agent Carter, Smoke and Mirrors. To my left, Steve Kaufman. Yes, I am to your left. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. So happy to be returning to this show. Even further to my left, Jesse Klein. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JessKlein1, J-E-S-S-K-L-E-I-N, the number one. As you may or may not have noticed, I am not Zach Wilson what? or Emma Fife, but huh? I did steal his hat. Yep. Yep, that is a fact, mm. and I'm keeping it, Zach. There's nothing you can do about it. I am Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. We are also going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTV Carter for all of the all of you guys on Twitter who want to participate in the conversation. We're also going to be keeping an eye on the live chat, so that'll be fun. And guys, I really appreciated this episode. Yeah. I like this one. I know we we were talking about potential like uh pacing problems last week and i feel like this episode was very very well paced and very well done in terms of tone and moving the plot along and character development yeah uh this might have been my favorite episode of agent carter including last season i really really liked it i thought it was really well directed i thought the pacing was good i thought the flashbacks and the kind of parallel flashbacks between uh frost and carter mm. where both of yeah. them yeah you know where you know Carter's being told what a woman is as well as Frost is just in very different situations I thought it was really well handled I thought the the showrunner really paced it well and the music in the flashbacks was fantastic mm. especially the music where it was Carter and the code breaking I thought that music was amazing really jazzed what, what he said. <laughs> yeah. I'm typically his life model decoy, so it's kind of it's jarring initially for both of us to be on the same. Seeing double, yeah. for Four both of us panelists. to see on the, for both of us to be on the fa- same frame. But yeah, I like we got more information from pre Cap- Captain America one Peggy Carter than we've ever received before. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I thought it was very interesting when the episode started off on a flashback of her, and it made me realize I was like, have we, 
have we not gotten flashbacks of Peggy Carter before? No, no. And seeing her as a little girl, like, it is absolutely not a surprise at all what she was doing when she was a little girl. Running yeah. around, saving damsels in distress, slaying cut, dragons. Cutting heads off dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you cut one off, two will grow. Don't you know this? Which, no, oh. she needs to learn. Yeah. She spends We're, her whole life fighting those dragons. Yeah. I, I want to talk about these backstories, but we are going to be talking quite a bit. Speaking of Hydra, we are going to be devoting probably a good section of this week's episode to talking about uh, the Council of Nine and Hydra in its current iteration, because there is a lot to unpack <laughs> yeah. now that we know their name. We got well, a lot of info. Although, I feel like they're not Hydra. I think they might not know they're Hydra, but I don't know if that means they're not Hydra. No, because Cause, I... Because with S.H.I.E.L.D., people who haven't been watching S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, this symbol, the Ram's Head symbol... Uh, is a symbol that's been used throughout time, and it's been Hydra's kind of go-to card, and people have been working for Hydra and have had no idea that they were working for them, like mm. um, like what's-her-name uh, in S.H.I.E.L.D., I forget her, uh, the woman who was the antagonist and then the love interest for, for Coulson. Um, oh. She had no idea she was working for Hydra. Mm. Uh, but this, this, yeah, symbol, Ross, Ross. this symbol has been used by kind of by shadow organizations and organizations that might not have been as nefarious as Hydra is, but it is still you are working for Hydra, you just don't know it. Yeah, and the other thing is that Hydra since we know it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's taken on different forms and different names and uh, we pointed out that one very prominent form of Hydra was very much that whole Nazi thing going on the Red Skull's forces that was, I guess, the militant yeah. aspect of this insidious organization. But the fact of the matter, and so if you want to call that faction Hydra, and then everything else, everything else, it's like calling one like sub company, yeah. you know, one name yeah. oh, when their parent company. Well, because yeah, yeah, I think all that's the same well, because I think that's what we mean that Hydra is the oh, kind of an ancient order, yeah. of running things. And we just happen to know it as Hydra. So, but like I think the military arm, like the Arnim Zola version that we all know, isn't in play right now. I think he's still infiltrating Leviathan, and then Leviathan's going to infiltrate this current one. They're both well, in jail, right? I, think, <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think what it. Okay, so they introduced the Council of Nine, yes. which is part of the Marvel Universe, the part of the Marvel comic book universe. Uh, the Council of Nine is part of something called the Secret Empire, which is this antagonistic force that was headed by the Red Skull for a very long time and was part of Hydra, was mm. part of AIM, or AIM, more like AIM was part of it. Uh, at one point, S.H.I.E.L.D. was part of the Secret Empire. Uh, Spider-Man and Moon Knight and the Punisher thought they destroyed the Secret Empire for a while, and they've been around forever, and much like how Hydra's being used in the MCU, it's just this shadow organization that's been pushing things in its the direction it wants to go for however long, hundreds of years. Yeah, and again, not to talk too much about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we actually had somebody tweet us a screenshot from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season when they're going through the different pictures of the Ram's Head, and there actually is a picture of the Arena Club that's there laid out on the table with exactly. everybody. Mm, yeah. they, we had somebody tweet that to us. I wish I knew offhand which 
who did that, but it's way too far down in the hashtag. But thank you to whoever. I will send you another thank you later on because also, that was that was spectacular. Also, thank you to everyone in the chat. They gave me a good laugh when they're talking about the Hydra Koala. Sure. Oh. <laughs> Koalas Howard, are ferocious. Howard Stark's Koala. They're trying to imply that he's Hydra. If you if you want to weaponize koalas, uh, look at uh, Agents of Hate in uh, Marvel's. <laughs> and, uh, they have weaponized koalas in that. Also weaponized Elvises, but regardless. <laughs> I, I think we're I, all in trouble if they decide to weaponize Bernard Stark. Uh, uh, mm. I'll be a- very angry. Agent Brian on Twitter uh, tweeted at us a picture of Jarvis chasing around the flamingo. Bernard Stark will win the Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I, I just appreciate that mm. a lot. So thank you. Please send me more of those. That is just delightful. Um, but yeah, let's let's go ahead and get back to this episode because uh, we we get backstory and we see that both Peggy and uh, Whitney Frost or Agnes, I suppose, they come from very similar backgrounds in terms of everybody telling them that they can't do the things that they want to do because they're women. Uh, uh, Agnes gets uh, scolded by her mother, and uh, we have a nice callback to Jessica Jones, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, uh, we see it later and at the very end with Ned Silver wearing a purple suit, telling her to smile, which which we talked a lot on the Jessica Jones podcast. It's kind of a trigger word for a lot of pe- women where it's, uh, men trying to control a woman and telling them how to feel. I'm sure Megan can hit on this more, but it's, <laughs> it's it's basically used where a guy will see a woman who's looking not happy and telling them to smile because you would look better if you smile and it would make me feel better to tell you how to feel. <laughs> um, and that's basically the purple man, uh, Kilgrave, the, the main antagonist in Jessica Jones. His whole thing is about controlling people whether they want to be controlled or not. Uh, and so we got a nice. He uh, uh, Ned Silver was clearly wearing a purple suit, and I think it was a nice little homage to Jess Jones. Yeah, and again, it's just it's skin crawling, but at the same time, very fitting not only for the time period, but stuff that still goes on now. It's a very subtle form of sexism, so it's it's very easy to see how that gets incorporated into their backstories and gets incorporated into her outlook on life because she's very blatantly told that it doesn't matter if you're a genius. It doesn't matter if you can do all of these amazing things because you're brilliant. Nobody cares. This is the only thing anybody cares about. Well, and yeah. she kind of winds up proving it as well. That she's a genius, but people don't fawn over her until she's just a glamorous movie star. Well, being a genius, it doesn't put money in her yeah. pocket. It's being pretty and smiling at the right people and pretending to be the thing that everybody expects her to be. That's what gives her the authority to do all of these things that she is capable of. Yeah, and I... I think her backstory hit on something that we don't really see a lot in American uh, fiction and like in our culture, which is hitting on the post World War One widows who were kind of left in a depression and had no way of making any money, and that's kind of where her mom was kind of stuck. She was kind of living in this house that another man owned and owed her basically her entire existence to this guy mm. who was just there to have sex with her basically and then leave them alone uh, it's a very interesting part of American history that doesn't get touched on at all and uh, I thought it was a very 
kind of cool way of kind of hitting that in this episode and then seeing the flip side in Great Britain where Great Britain was kind of enjoying prosperity after World War One, and uh, kind of like a boom and seeing like where Peggy was coming from versus where Agnes is living. Yeah, no, it, they they very much come from different walks of life because Peggy comes from a very affluent family. Yeah. Uh, whereas Agnes was dirt poor. Mm. And uh, so they, I mean, both of them, it's very, very different. And yet they're experiencing very similar things because of their gender. It's just in different ways. And when you're you're born on the bottom like Agnes was, you have to learn how to do everything you can to claw your way back up and prevent yourself from ever getting to that point again. Yeah. So her her motivation is very interesting, and I also thought it was very interesting how, you know, given what we know about her now, how she went about trying to figure out what's happened to her. She was very scientific about it. She, yeah. mm. You know, we, we cut from her drawing diagrams of the, the radio in her notepad when she's a child straight to her r- jotting down notes for her first experiment killing these <laughs> lab rats. Which, if, if, if she's teleporting people with her blood, that means at least the director has something to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Assuming he stays corporeal enough to yeah. do that, I, mean, I don't although, think that's how it works. Although I guess the what you call it, the listening device, yeah, wherever that went, the frequency doesn't travel. No, no. We want to. Hey, was I, I don't only, get reception on my phone? And was I the no only? They're going to get reception. Was on I the only one dimension. who thought that immediately? No. <laughs> that I was like, oh, the listening device is going to go wherever she zaps people. <laughs> And like, I mean, they could touch on that in the next episode because they don't know what happened to this mm. guy. But then again, we don't know what happened to this guy. Did she I don't, absorb she, I don't think she does either. What if when Wilkes disappears, he goes to wherever she's sending them? Maybe. Again, we're, we're assuming that she's sending them somewhere. Yeah. I mean, they very mm. well could be broken down on a molecular level at or this I think, point. Well, no, I think she's somehow a conduit of... The like she's just the, channeling this, yeah, but yeah. she's cha- whereas usually it's the explosion that's picking everybody up with zero matter. She's the conduit for zero matter, and ultimately also the explosion because that little be tear, that little tear in what I would imagine would be like time and space. Too much Doctor Who. Uh, maybe? That, I, every time I see it, I swear I think it's a crack in the universe. Yeah, yeah that, I hear that's. You. What it, that but makes the most sense. What I, I think what it is is that she's acting as maybe sort of maybe conduit is is the word you're thinking of. I'm thinking like she's acting like some sort of incubation thing for the the zero matter because every time she uses it, the containment unit, as it were, her body mm. is breaking down, and we see that little by little. Yeah, the crack getting bigger. I I'm, I feel like I'm closer to Megan on this. Mm. Um, can we talk about how amazing Haley Atwell was in this episode? So she, she put on a, a clinic. Like her ability to play young Carter was amazing. Like she was so believable as kind of like this innocent, like code breaker who was trying to fit in with like all the other girls. And like she she brought on like a different vocal quality. She had a different physical quality. The way she stood is way different than we've seen how she stands now that she's an agent who has to be like prepared mm. for stuff. Like she really did an amazing job. I've always thought she was a good actress, but this was this was a step further. Mm. Like I was 
she was amazing in this episode. No, cutting back and forth between the past and the present in terms of how she carries herself then and carries herself now, you're right. It's like looking at two very different people. Yeah. And uh, I I like finding out that she had a brother. It, it's, it's a bummer he got fridged, but at the but. same time, it's like... As somebody who has brothers, I'm like, yeah, that that is a very believable brother sister relationship. That relationship was fantastic. Yes, yeah. and we in two scenes. Exactly, we had literally like two scenes with Michael, and it did an exemplary job of defining their relationship and how close they were. Mm. And it also kind of showed the distance between who she really is and who her fiance thinks she is. Exactly. Like, when he's talking about like throwing one back and stuff like mm. that, he's like, "Her? Our bag?" <laughs> like, I, well, and yeah, it was very interesting that they kept talking about what we want, and mm-hmm. we don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. We want a nice, boring life. Actually, pre that scene, I was a little like I was having trouble accepting the the first scene where she just has a ring and she's just coming in and like very no agency in her own life. Like, I couldn't even recognize this person as Peggy Carter. Yeah, yeah. She, it's so different. You're like, Peggy Carter's not like that. Yeah. Peggy Carter's not Peggy like Carter. all acting super stoked about some man. Because on top, Pe- like, Peggy I... Carter's hitting people with the butt of a rifle and throwing them in yeah, the like, trunk of a car. Yeah, like, Peggy she's Carter... shooting people with rhino tranquilizers. <laughs> yeah. Like, Peggy Carter doesn't need an old, old British man to convince her to be a spy. Like, she'd chomp at that bit. So it's actually... Really interesting to to know that there was an arc there yeah, before and, we ever met and again, her. Again, this is seven years in the past, and her her exact words are, "I don't think I'm cut out for that sort of thing." Where it's like, "Do you, or is that just what everybody's told you yeah. that you're not cut out but for I'm, that sort of?" I'm thing? I'm also wondering if there's a piece we're still not seeing where she went from someone who's slaying a dragon on the schoolyard, if you will, to. Oh, that's that's like, not something I'd be cut out for. Fit in. Yeah, where there's was something. the turning point where she decided that what everybody said about her was right mm-hmm. in terms of everybody saying that this is the way she needs to act? I mean, it's it's a lot. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that is kind of growing up. A lot of people get very disillusioned and they push their dreams aside as something childish because they're told you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to get a job, you need to do this. Yeah. And that's what being an adult is. And so a lot of people do that. So it's again, it's not that far fetched. It's just really jarring to see mm-hmm. without any lead up. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you on that one. But yeah, Haley Atwell, absolutely stunning job in this episode. Also everyone in the chat is saying that that fiance Fred is Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ghost eight three eight six Hydra, I mean, Hydra fiance. If we look at the type of people that are in this old boys club, mm. they're not soldiers. They get soldiers to fight for them. What the if, guys. What if Fred's a secret koala, <laughs> and then that that leads him to Hydra? Ah, that's something else entirely different. That's even more nefarious. Yeah. But um, but I do I do want to point out since you brought yep. up the possibility of her being involved with somebody in Hydra, the organization and Jesse, you you were pointing this out because now it's like we see the Ram's head and everything mm-hmm. that the SOE 
kind of had an also similar logo. The SOE, and if you look behind us, the SSR also has that triangular with the with the eagle's wings. Also has a very similar kind of triangular ram's head figure, Ooh, and it's, it's like it's, it's like that it's it, that kind of V shaped thing. Yeah, and it sounds crazy. Except the fact that we're dealing with the MCU, mm. where almost nothing is coincidental. If this was any other show that was in any other universe, I would not even think about it. But the fact that that, that eagle does have a similar shape to the ram's head, you have to at least look at it. Because after seeing S.H.I.E.L.D., after seeing NASA have be part of the ram's head and be part of HYDRA... Like, we have to now look at everything with that same, with mm-hmm. the exhaust coming from the, the show. <laughs> yeah. is that, that's barely the same shape. So if that works, then pretty much any of these things work. And you got to hand it to them for, like, immersive branding. Yeah. That's for sure. But, very immersive. <laughs> very much so. But the... Um, but it's interesting, and they also keep hammering in that these guys are everywhere, which is something that we, you know, we really didn't get any hint of until we came to Captain America 2 Winter Soldier, and we saw how insidious mm-hmm. Hydra had been in infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D., and now that is in the back of our minds when we watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and now even more so here, because they are blatantly saying mm-hmm. that they're dealing with organizations that deal with governmental corruption on a very very high level to the point where you go to one municipal judge and boom you get an executive order from DC mm-hmm. stopping you in your tracks and you get Vernon Masters coming in and <laughs> throwing uh-huh. around you know you know you, you don't want to be independent thinker yeah yeah doing red scaring talking about the Hollywood 10 which were people who got blacklisted couldn't work in Hollywood because people thought that they were communists like this era is a very dangerous like part to be someone who kind of goes away from what everyone else is thinking like it's it's dangerous to be different at this time in the United States yeah I'm mm. just picturing the uh, independent thought alarm from the Simpsons okay I respect your individualism <laughs> yes <Click. laughs> two independent thought alarms in one day the SSR is overstimulated. <laughs> Take away the color chalk. Um, anyway, but yeah, let's let's talk about this whole uh, subplot with Peggy kidnapping uh, Mr. Hunt, and sure. then uh, where that brings us to when the FBI comes down on the SSR. So, what did you guys think of this whole sequence where they went about trying to catch this guy? Because every time they tried something and it failed, I kept thinking, "What happened to this guy? What?" happened to him and his backstory that literally made him an unstoppable like killing machine like they shoot him with two you know they shoot him with rhinoceros tranquilizer well, they mentioned, and he does nothing until well, they hit him again and then again <laughs> well they mentioned he well he mentioned he was in Japan meaning he would have fought in the Pacific and like probably meaning he was a marine not, and in in our but world but probably like the MCU before the he would ha- he would have to be to depending on where he fought in the Pacific to actually get out because that was that was a ca- high casualty well, he's fighting. He said he was tortured. Yeah, yeah. Like, he said he was tortured. So this is a guy who got through some uh, 
Pacific theater torture, which is like putting a rat in a bag and tying that rat over your head Ugh. and like leaving that there, like putting bamboo under your fingernails. Like it's not, it's not great torture. It's not the luxury mm. vehicle of torture. It's, mm. it's an old Toyota Camry that has springs coming out through the seat. It's not good. So this guy's tough. This guy's tough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I like, I mean, I liked that he was just like, that sequence where Peggy got him twice with a dart <laughs> and he still kept fighting. And then we got the payoff with Jarvis, who, was, <laughs> who also got the dart and mm-hmm. then was t- talking in his sleep about a, a horse. <laughs> it's a very big horse. Yeah. It's a very big horse. And again, we, we got the term Jarvis, which yeah. I have a feeling we're just going to be using for the rest of the season. Now. Pretty much. Jarvis is fantastic. Yes, you can use it for so many things. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful adjective. Um, but yeah, so we, we learn from this guy. And and I like <laughs> I like that she bluffed. Because I was actually really worried when we saw the promo last week that Agent Carter was going to cross some lines. And in a way, she did because she committed a felony to kidnap mm-hmm. this guy. But, yeah. On the other hand, I, I was expecting it to get far darker than her just giving him a cold. Although... That this happens a lot with TV shows because the people who make the ad don't make the show. Very so, true. Yeah. So they make the show, and then ABC is just like Peggy Carter crosses the line. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. She's gonna inject somebody with poison, yeah. and then we watch it, and it's like that—that that wasn't the line she crossed. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I mean, she references Elliot Ness, who is. Uh, Again, if you're not familiar with American history, was given kind of carte blanche to hunt down gangsters, uh, which meant he could break the law, he could shoot people, murder people, mm. no judge, jury, um, just was allowed to do whatever he wanted to, uh, as long as it was to take out gangsters in the United States. And if you if you don't have time for American history, this is Boardwalk Empire. It, you yeah, can just watch Boardwalk Empire. Empire. <laughs> There's also uh, some good movies out there about Elliot mm. Ness. Um, Anyway, uh, I don't think Peggy... I think Peggy, she is a killer because she's a soldier. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she crosses that line as easy as as other people do. I I think because because of Captain America, because she feels like she needs to fill that void of who he was, that I think she... She tries not to cross that line unless she absolutely has to. Yeah, no, uh, and that makes complete and total sense. Not only did she already have strong morals prior to knowing Cap, but now knowing him and having lost him, yeah, there are definitely going to be lines she won't cross. Mm. So that makes complete and total sense. It was a funny bluff, though. Yeah. 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 Well, because you, you guys were asking as it happened, like, do you think she really did that? And I was... Like, no. <laughs> like, there was a two-second period where I'm like, was that a bluff? It's a bluff, right? And then it turned out to be a bluff. But there was just enough doubt for me to go, I don't know, this guy's kind of a monster. He did try to kill her and Jarvis, so that's not good. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. But then again, as she pointed out later on, he's no good to them dead either. Um, So he gives them some names. And again, he he makes it very clear, and it just gets hammered into us again that these guys are everywhere. That even if he was to get away from Peggy and uh, Sousa... That there's there's no running from mm, this yeah. organization. There's nowhere he can go where he'll be safe. Does anyone picture him if he if he were to have just gotten out clean, just like going to a diner and eating all the cake? 
Just like, there's no running. <laughs> there's no running. There's no Mine running. Well. Give me all the whiskey and all the cake <laughs> until the Council of Nine gets here. Is that what you would do if you were on the run and you the thought you were going to get Yes. Escape? The Council of Nine layered German chocolate cake. Please. <laughs> oh, we got a, we got a tweet from uh, JDM on Twitter. Uh, apparently, the Jarvalicious, and, and I don't know if this is true, but it's been tweeted at us, so it's the internet. Um, but apparently, uh, that Jarvalicious, or Jarvalis was an ad lib. Really? <laughs> apparently, yeah. Apparently, with an ad libbed <laughs> line, that's hilarious. If that's that. true, that's hilarious. That's a good ad lib. It's a very good ad lib. So, um, so yeah. Let's get back to uh, before we move on. Uh, by any chance, Steve, do you happen to have iTunes up? Maybe. Maybe. Kind of. Kind of. I do. By any chance, are there comments on the iTunes? There are. Which dates am I stopping at? Uh, which, I don't think have we read off any, read any we haven't read any so, comments so okay, far so, so we so want to take a minute and say are, thank you guys yeah. so thank you guys thank you guys because it's your continued support that allows us to keep putting on this show uh, and it takes very very little time to go uh, to iTunes rate leave a comment it's the best way to let the producers here at AfterBuzz know that you like the show mm. that we're putting on that you like the Agent Carter After Show and that you like the Marvel team here here at AfterBuzz, and if you can't get enough of it, there is also a new Twitter account, ABTV Marvel, so that you can keep up with all of the Marvel after shows here. It's funny, that account hasn't followed me yet. And, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> uh, and if you're international, and you want to rate us on iTunes so we can see it, just tweet us a picture of your rating, and we'll mm-hmm. read it uh, on the air. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And we, we love that there's an international audience for, for all of the shows that we put on. It blows my mind to hear that we have fans in Japan and Brazil and all over the world. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you guys so, so much. So August 9th, just caught up on this podcast, <laughs> must tackle S.H.I.E.L.D. next. And I must say I'm very pleased with this after show. Wonderful panel. Wonderful theories. Wonderful overall. Here's to seeing you on season two. And that was underscore Melissa Arnold. Leanne... Leanne Coach, K O C H, Coke, Coke, yeah, be Coke. Coke. Yeah, you guys are go. my favorite After Buzz team, and I'm so glad you're covering season two. Can't wait. Um, J Renee four two four. I enjoy listening to this after show. Mama Little Seven. Mama Little Seven. Oh, yeah, Mama Little Seven. The first episode was awesome. Can't wait to see how they wrap it up. I predict Souza dies this season. No, <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Um, wet rats. I love the job y'all are doing on the show. I love the enthusiasm, but please stop saying it's set in the 1950s. The show is in the late 1940s. We you did guys, get some comments on that. Okay. 1947. We're aware. Yep. I'm reading unedited it's comments, okay. but clearly. JJ <laughs> <laughs> Mars in the chat. Switzerland. Switzerland. Oh, hi, Switzerland. That's so great. Your panel is great, and I love all of you. So excited about season two. I just want to bring up. One thing you guys might not have hit on, paying attention to the female relationships and how they're not acting to be jealous. Unlike Anna, I'm gonna, That's gonna okay. take yeah. a screenshot no, and send you guys this one. It. Um, Ernie KD, great podcast for a great show. So delighted to have the podcast and show back. Great way to keep the fun going later in the week. Probably best line up of discussers of all the after B shows. Love ya. Aww. We're discussers in a chat show. Born guy in the chat, Canada. Canada! Woo! 
I, I I hope I can make it out to Canada this year. I'm so excited. And this so. is option zero. Like my Golden State Warriors, rolling over NBA, ABTV's Marvel coverage continues to dominate with another fantastic panel. The best side effect of Marvel expanding across ABC and Netflix is that we get more Zach, Jesse, Megan, Emma, if only Soapy Mark, Jamie Elias, Stephen Lemieux could show up. No mention of Steve Kaufman. <laughs> if only Stephen Lemieux could show up. Hey, guys. <laughs> you don't see me, but I'm here. Vincent Curtis, Canada as well. We got some Canadian friends. Aw, you guys are awesome. Does that do it for the iTunes comments? There are three more. Okay, cool. Let's zip through them. We're running, yeah. we're running out of time. Mr. Poop McGool, who is my favorite, my favorite username so far. Before I knew of AfterBuzz TV, I used to get really sad after all my shows ended because I... I had to wait a week for them to come, come back or get more. But now I have you guys, and that makes me makes the in between much more fun. I truly enjoy listening to you guys talk about Agent Carter. Thank you so much, Kurt Gr. Look up the biography of Howard Hughes, owner of RKO Pictures, TWA Airlines. Oh yeah, the good airline stuff. Carter took to Los Angeles. He's a mix of Walt Disney as well, Howard or. Haw- er, Howard Hawks and Howard Stark, Walt Disney. I'm so happy this panel is back. I was very bored during the hiatus and the hilarious and insightful commentary from you wonderful people. P.S. You said you won't be singing on this podcast. <laughs> we lied. But I will not be opposed if you do. Who said you're not singing on this podcast? We said we wouldn't sing on S.H.I.E.L.D. This is Carter. We were very different. specific. <laughs> different. Didn't you guys... We did a we did a little barbershop quartet thing in the last episode. Okay, <laughs> it was very brief. We kept it short. Yes. Well, not to not to mention, you guys totally sing on Shield. <laughs> we did, we did once. once. <laughs> we're oh. not. I don't, I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to ever yeah. again. <laughs> anyway, let's let's go ahead and get back to let's uh, do it. to the like to Vernon because he is a scary scary man when he wants to be again uh, yep. I think we talked about it when he was first introduced it takes you right back to Robocop he's just he's just or, a scary man or that 70s show as well <laughs> just like I mean yeah <laughs> typical 70s dad that can like take you down five pegs in five words yeah but he was just very imposing like a very clear threat against Peggy and then Sousa as well where it's like, yeah, this guy is the guy who signs their paychecks. Like, mm. and him saying, like, you know, you better step in line because you don't want to drown when this tidal wave hits is a very clear threat of, like, we will bury you if you annoy us enough. And I think the thing we like about Peggy is when she gets that threat, all she wants to do is dig deeper. <laughs> like that's- yeah, her response is, I'll manage, because she's had far worse. She's dealt with Nazis. She's dealt yeah. with Hydra. She's, she's she's seen some stuff. She yeah. fell in love with Captain America. Yeah. For ca- <laughs> only for Captain America to also be in love with her. And then he's gone. And then he died. Yeah. yeah so, I, but I love that the way to get at her isn't saying we're going to, you know, you'll be fine. Maybe you'll manage. Maybe you'll stay afloat. But your friends will drown. Yeah. And that's what gets to her. That's what makes her think, rethink her position and her strategy to go, mm. And it also kind of speaks to, I think, a lot of the reasons why she also likes to work alone. Not only did she work alone a lot as a spy and work alone a lot uh, because a lot of people around her were dismissing her, but now she actually has attachments to a lot of the people that she works with. And she's lost mm-hmm. Cap. She's potentially lost Wilkes at this point. She probably doesn't want to lose anybody else that's on her team right now. They're very mm-hmm. dear yeah. to her. And, so, and last season was all about her clearing Stark's name. 
And so, like, she's over that. Like, she doesn't want to do that again with another group of people. Yeah, no. Her her entire career post-World War II could very well be just trying to clear other people's names. Because that's yeah. what she was trying to do with Wilkes in the last episode, too. Real quick, Scott G is from New Zealand. He's in the chat. Uh, yeah. What time is it all where you are at? Isn't it it's, very late? It's, I don't know. It might be very early. It like, might be very early. It's this might just be later. like nine or it might just be like nine or ten a.m. somewhere. And they're but, just like. But yeah, I mean, the the threat against her friends is the way to hit Peggy because mm. the, because she's resourceful enough. She knows she's a super spy. Like she she can handle herself. It's more about how the people she surrounds herself with. Yes. Exactly. Super spy, she'll be fine on her own, but yeah, the second you you put other people in harm's way, that's where she starts to have a problem because she is so used to working alone. And even in this episode, she wanted to keep Sousa out of it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. To protect Sousa and then like she keeps has, she keeps having to play this game of like who to protect, who not to protect. Question do we think Sousa is gonna back down or do we think Sousa's gonna do uh, I think I think he's going to stick around for as long as possible to the probable detriment of his relationship mm. because he like he says it himself. He's like, I got that same speech. I'm not scared. I'm with you to the end. I don't think he's going to go back on that. Yeah, Susan's got the same moxie. He'll stick with it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that could make him go back on that. Although I am still very suspicious of his two seemingly perfect soon to be fiance he still hasn't proposed yeah. <laughs> not yet ex-girlfriend also well, not I'm, yet a fiance are we are we all on board that she's probably hydra i think or, she watching or secret agents, empire watching agents of shield has made me suspicious of any and all blooming relationships <laughs> like just all of them although speaking of hydra in the mcu i think watching any marvel movie <laughs> especially ones that happen pre um Captain America 2, where I'm just like, Obadiah Stane, he's Hydra. <laughs> Definitely Hydra. It's weird going back that, and yes. like looking back into all of this. That it's Doctor destroyed Who... all of our personal relationships. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, every girl I go on a date with, I have to then go into their background and make sure they're not Hydra. It's really, it's just... I can't and you're tell always disappointed. you the they're number of relationships Hydra. that have been ruined because of Hydra. Yeah. Guys, it's just the worst. That's why relationships don't work. It's Hydra. It's, it's always, it's always Hydra. Hydra. It's not anything like you're just <laughs> not compatible or right for each other. It's always Hydra. It's Hydra. You're always dating Nazis, or, guys. Or the, the secret empire, which is yeah. ultimately yes. Hydra. The Same thing. Same difference. Yeah. <laughs> the timeless <laughs> order of Hydra. Although, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about Sousa, because he... We again, we we're getting a lot of really good performances this season. And the acting has always been really good, but every time he looks at Peggy, I see the conflict just written all over his face because he cares about her and he wants to protect her, but he's also trying to move on with his life and he was very much taking the steps to that before she walked back into his life and he sees her trying to move on too and that hurts him. And so you can see that this it's tearing him apart in in a metaphorical way, in the same way that Wilkes has physically been torn apart. Yeah, I mean, the chemistry between Peggy and Wilkes is 
Oh, like, it's just amazing. At the beginning of this episode, like, them talking about sense of body, like, in that entire thing, it's like, it must be frustrating. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, ah, and she was like, Ugh. I was like, just touch him, touch him. We're, we're, to touch him. We all giggled at that because yeah. we're all mature adults. Yes. <laughs> but just, also, the whole thing with Wilkes being <laughs> kind of a ghost. Yeah. We, I feel like that was, Stark was able to get him there really quick <laughs> to not get him any further. Yeah, and they keep running into dead ends. And and Stark is still away on his safari somewhere? It was in Peru. <laughs> although, was it Peru? Yeah. <laughs> although, speaking of Red Scare, if Howard Stark is both like a, an amalgam of Howard Hughes and Walt Disney, for the most part, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe... Walt Disney named names at the Un-American Committee. So if a Red Scare is happening in this in this world, well, Howard is powerful enough to to be very like for and he was just recently like cleared mm-hmm. of all treasonous yeah. charges. Yeah. So it would look really weird for different organizations to point the finger at him again immediately. Well, I think I I don't know. I kind of feel like they would he would name the Council of Nine? Uh, I'm saving that for a prediction. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> about formula- it. We'll talk about it in a yeah. few, but I do want to touch on what's happening to Wilkes. <laughs> yeah. Because we can clearly see throughout this episode that something is happening to him. And we, we kind of were talking about it at the beginning of the episode. Is it that he's being drawn to whatever Whitney Frost is becoming? Is it that he himself being corporeal is just losing sense of what it was to be whole and he's being drawn to something else what what do we think is happening to him in this moment yeah i think it i think it might be i don't because like connection to who you are as a person like your body is very like more important than we like to admit like people who are paralyzed from the neck down lose their sense of self and lose their sense of like control over emotion and lose their sense of like control of joy and and all of that kind of stuff like your body tells you a lot of who you are more than we think uh and i think what's going with wilkes is he is forgetting what it's like to be wilkes like as he is getting lost and l- trying to solve the problem of how to get himself back he is also forgetting who he was before and i think that's him kind of dealing with that sense of loss and that he could let go and just become invisible forever or he could fight like peggy thinks he will and find himself well and he says he even has to concentrate to to just be there to be present and it I don't want to say that if he does let go, it's going to be like a, he's one with the universe sort of thing. But clearly, he, he will change. I don't know if that's like moving to an alternate state of being, mm. if that's what happens, or if he's just going to be able to like materialize somewhere else, a la Dr. Manhattan. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know quite what's um, happening. All I'm going to say is it's very strange. Mm. Did it. Mm. Waiting all day. Mm. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? Really? <laughs> um, since, uh, since episode one, actually. <laughs> since Boo. Zero Matter, since Zero Matter was introduced. Get out. Get out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've had fun here tonight. No, um, so yeah, um, 
Let's uh, let's go ahead and move back uh, to talking about this final scene with uh, with Whitney Frost, Hunt, and uh, and her husband. <laughs> because we all knew it was coming yeah. to an extent. We we all knew that that's where it was going. The second he went there and refused to talk to her, it's like if yeah, no, this guy clearly doesn't respect her, and he's messed up thoroughly. He's he's not going to make it. With her practicing on the rap, uh, lab rats, it was a real Chekhov's weird, gooey arm stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, intense. And her husband, I think until recently, her husband thought he was in control of this relationship. And I think now he realizes that he is not in control of this relationship. Yeah, because yeah. earlier um, when he's talking about her getting ready for the party, I swear he used beautiful half a dozen times in the span of one conversation just talking about her. You're going to be the most beautiful first lady if we play our cards right. Yeah. That beautiful dress. They they want someone beautiful on their cover. You know, you're... Uh, like I swear it was just beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful right after we get her backstory hammering into us how important it is for her to smile and look pretty. Yeah. So. And be pretty because that's all anyone cares about and how dare you even think how dare you even think anything like that and it's just it's fairly heavy handed but it was necessary. Well, And, and it made sense from what we learned here. And it's it's very interesting that as her face is coming apart and her facade is coming unraveled, that she she is becoming what she wants more and more. When when she'll no and again we're we're kind of looking ahead mm-hmm. to when she is officially Madame Mask. When she becomes that, then you know there is no need to pretend anymore. She yeah. can be whoever she wants, which is kind of a parallel of what we had with Dottie too. Um, because Dottie was like, you can be whoever you want when you live this kind of life. Maybe I'll be an SSR agent this mm. time around. And that's exactly it. So it's it's very interesting looking at the way that an oppressive upbringing has brought up these three women to view what direction they want to take their life in now that they're all in a position of power. I, I think that's all very interesting. Yeah, that our two big antagonists are so similar to our hero, but just just a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, sorry, Steve. Go ahead. No, I think I think it's is she really? I feel like she's more misunderstood at this point than going to be like a big bad. Madame Mask or Dottie? Madame Mask. But I think she's, I don't know. I think she, she's, she's, she's just going to straight up turn people with dark dark force. She's murdered zero two people. matter whatever it is. Yeah, as she. I almost called it dark matter. That's not yeah. right. Apparently, I have to be her lawyer now. She, you don't know what she did to those two people, Jesse. She's, she's disappeared two people against their will. Uh, it's fair. I think she'll get a redemption at some point. On Megan's point, I think the best villains are ones that are close to the hero. That if it weren't for a couple choices or the thing that makes the hero the hero, their sense of good, their sense of right having like an avuncular person die and then tell them with great power comes great I was going to say it's very Spider-Man yeah, isn't it like <laughs> like that they could easily be a villain and that that villain if it wasn't for a few situations they could have easily been a hero and I think that's what makes especially comic book villains but also especially in the Marvel universe villains it, what's what makes them so interesting is that the villains are very 
close to the heroes as far as who they are and their upbringings. Like, Doctor Doom and the Fantastic Four are very similar with the mm. retconned kind of Doctor Doom origin. Uh, you know, Spider-Man and Venom or Carnage. Like these are Or all, just mm-hmm. about any of his other rogues gallery yeah. who happen to be scientists like him. Yeah. 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 Like it's it, it's what makes the MCU or the Marvel comic book universe very interesting and like seeing them translate it. Jessica Jones, you haven't seen it yet. No spoilers, but <laughs> just like the idea I'm that so close. I'm what so you close, do, guys. what you do when you're given power and like how you approach that uh is very interesting. And it's like to see these people have similar similar enough backgrounds to see how they approach their world and how they take their power is very cool. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just admit to it now. The chat's letting me know. She's definitely the big bad this season. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was maybe the Council of Nine. She's going to get some type of redemption. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> Steve, I, could, I can see a world where she realizes she's being manipulated by the Council of Nine and in a last-ditch effort does some some, mm. some sort of redeeming thing. That doesn't make her not the villain yes. for nine or, episodes. Yeah, yeah, chat, you're right. Be mean to him. <laughs> Shame on you. How dare you have an opinion? Um, but uh, I will say that like, it is possible that we could see a heel face turn when she realizes how much this substance is really tearing her apart. Mm-hmm. She could very well do a heel face turn in order to try to save herself. She could go to Stark and need help. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, with every time she uses this, it is... I'm waiting for her to just turn into a black hole. <laughs> that is what I'm waiting for. She... And... And it looks like now that she's kind of losing her face, she's also approaching it with... And and also the fact that, you know, names have been given to Peggy Carter and the SSR in terms of council members who are involved. She's like, this isn't working anymore. And it looks like in the next episode, she's really taking very drastic steps to be like, okay, I'm in charge now. No more, no yeah. more pretending we're doing things my way. Is she losing her face or is she getting an awesome tattoo? Maybe. I mean that it it is kind of a sick face tattoo yeah. right now, right? I like the way they've designed it too, that it it looks like shattered glass. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. It's very cool. Very well designed and then I I'm still not sure what what it is. Yeah, no, is it- it's still really weird, but I really like that the CGI when it's used for this purpose doesn't look weird or cheesy. It looks mm. terrifying and I appreciate that. All right. Well, guys, is there anything else you want to touch on in this episode before we move on to predictions? No, I'm good. No. no. Just really, really great performance is all. You're after all the way around. Yeah. Really good stuff. Oh, uh, we got a Bernard reference. <laughs> just for tracking Bernard, she said she said a, something about the flamingo. So just Guys, there was a Bernard reference. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Watch 2016. Yeah. It's important, guys. It is. This is important. Yes. So for the next episode, it looks like uh, Chatwick and Frost go after an atomic bomb. That escalated quickly. Yeah. That nice. did not take long at all. Um, but this is actually, this next episode looks like it's the episode that I've been waiting for for the majority of this season so far. And that's the moment Peggy has her team together and they go in for a team Mission. Yeah. Because this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun comedically, but it, at the same time, we have really high stakes because we're losing Wilkes, and, you know, it's getting harder and harder for him to maintain himself, and there's a nuclear bomb! <laughs> so, yeah, high stakes, but we can still have a lot of good old-fashioned fun. 
Yeah. And Rose is in on the action this yeah, time around. So I'm excited to see Rose in on this action. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like so much fun. What do you guys think? Mm. Uh, next week, I don't have very much because it looks like they're moving. Fa- they're, I think um, the tidal wave strikes me because Leviathan was a water monster. Strikes me very much that maybe Leviathan will be outed as like a modern day Hydra, like modern to that day Hydra, and then that would be a like an MCU Red Scare, because it sounds like the Red Scare in Hollywood, the Blacklist, that had already kind of happened in this world. So they're, so the Council of Nine, in order to like drum up more enemies, is going to do a tidal wave and have Leviathan be the big thing you go after, similar to a Red Scare. And the, your scapegoat. Yeah, your scapegoat. And then Howard Stark is going to do um, a House on Un-American Committee's Name names, but he's just going to name the Council of Nine. If he gets that chance. Yeah. Like he's got to get back from Peru first. He's going to get back from Peru. Like, he's <laughs> Howard Stark. He'll be around. Uh, yeah, I think I think just to look for more of the kind of tension between the West Coast SSR and the East Coast SSR and uh, them working with the FBI and working with... Uh, you know, seeing uh, Vernon Masters kind of like trying to push them in a certain direction. I think, I think that in the end, Peggy is going to be working against Thompson, and either they will join forces and start doing the beginnings of Shield. I know that the showrunners say that Shield isn't going to get formed mm-hmm. this season, but like, see that there needs to be something that is separate from the United States government that is independent and can work by itself, or it's going to come to a head where it's going to be Peggy versus Thompson is going to be the actual final climactic fight. Mm-hmm. I think what, and this is looking farther down to the end of the season stuff, I think that if that's true, if we're not going to see the beginning of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this season, I think what we are going to see is the end of the SSR. Yes. I think that whatever yeah. happens in this season, it's going to leave the SSR in complete shambles. And uh, our heroes are going to be left to pick up the pieces with what remains of it, and it's going to be probably midway through next season where they put it together, if we get a next yeah, season. Yeah, I, I also think we could... When the SSR fails, I think we're going to get, like, a shield light, which will just Maybe. be... Mm. Which will just be Carter, all the good agents... And then Howard Stark's money. But, <laughs> like, that would be S.H.I.E.L.D. light. But also a hydrate, because we know yes. from Captain America 2 that S.H.I.E.L.D. was started with Hydra. That mm-hmm. Hydra was part of the reason why S.H.I.E.L.D. was started. Which so. is why, again, we're side-eyeing Thompson so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, but that, that feels too obvious. That feels like a misdirect that Thompson's actually fine, well, and it's... And speaking of misdirect, looking looking at the the promo for our next episode where it looks very much like a confrontation between Frost and Peggy, I I'm looking at this and I'm like, are they going to pull an Agents of Shield where we have somebody who's built up as our big bad as a Whitehall mm. or uh, something along those lines, and then they just get killed halfway through the season because they weren't the big bad of the season? Mm. I don't think she's getting redeemed, yeah. <laughs> but. I also think that she could die a very unceremonious death long before the end of the long before the end of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, in the last season, Dottie did a lot of killing of 
people that could potentially be antagonists for Peggy. Yeah. Like the yeah, guy with the no. fucking gun. And, and yeah, they, no, there were a lot of really interesting characters and she just snapped their necks. Yeah. And they're like, whatever. All right. <laughs> this they isn't just, about you. Just gave us enough time to go, wow, that guy's really <laughs> cool. Oh, thanks, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's really dead. Thanks, Daddy. But yeah, and that's another thing. We haven't seen Dottie in a bit. Yeah. So very well, Madame Mask could die very, very quickly in terms of what we're expecting. And Dottie and Angie and everybody Ooh. else from the East Coast could come back. I think Dottie's going to name Peggy as a member of Leviathan or the Communist Party. Mm. I could see that she's, happening. She's with the FBI. She's with, you know, Vernon. Like, they could use her to get to Peggy. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a ticking time bomb way yeah, to have there's going to be. There's going to be a lot of names named. <laughs> I said that the second I heard it was, like, Red Scare Los Angeles. We'll, like, oh, so many we'll names. we see. Um, we did have a question from Alyssa Lopez, and then we got to wrap yeah, up. Wrap uh, did we know Suzo was in Bastogne, uh, Europe during the war? Or was that new info? I want to say that we knew that last season, uh, but we might not have gotten the specifics until Well, now. no, didn't we get the specifics? And I, it was a lame, it was, it was a lame reason. It, it, um, I know we got or, it last or, or, season. Or it was, but, the explanation he gave was, like... He, underwhelming. Yeah, well, it was very underwhelming, like athlete's foot or something. No, no like a, he got shot in combat. Okay, yeah. but I remember. Okay, I might be misremembering. I don't. I don't know. If it was a while the, ago. I don't know if we knew the specifics that it was Battle of the Bulge, but I, uh, I think we did know he got shot in combat, and we don't know what happened because we know from Captain America mm. or Captain America Two that her husband was saved by Captain. Uh, so we don't. We don't know what the specifics are there, so it still could be Sousa. It still could be Sousa, especially since he seems so reluctant to pop the question to his maybe Hydra girlfriend. We don't know. <laughs> Might be a Hydra girlfriend. <laughs> <Pop>. <laughs> Likely Hydra girlfriend. <laughs> Likely Hydra girlfriend. If your girlfriend has multiple heads, she might be a Hydra. <laughs> she might be a Hydra. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, guys. Well, anything else you want to bring up about this week's episode? No. Um, no. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody on the hashtag. Felix, I'm getting around to watching Jessica Jones. I'm finishing up Daredevil first. Leave <laughs> me be. I know it's important. Um, but, Jesse Klein, where can people go if they want to find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JessKlein1. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, I do live comedy pretty much every night all over the place. So find me there. Steve. You guys can find me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. And if I'm not doing live comedy, I'm attending live comedy here in Los Angeles. So if you go to his shows, you'll probably <laughs> see me watching his shows. <laughs> and you can be like, hey, Jesse Klein's Life Model Decoy is watching him. It's weird. Just hanging out. Just hanging, just hanging out. Just hanging out. Well, guys, be sure to also follow Zach at that Zach Wilson and Emma Fife at Emma Fife. Emma is currently rocking it at the convention scene. So be sure to follow her on Twitter to get all the updates from that because she's I'm sure she's having a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, including Ruby, Star Wars Rebels, a whole bunch of fun stuff. I also ran articles for the movie chick that's chick with two k's be sure to check those out again thank you to everybody in the live chat everybody in the hashtag everybody who commented on itunes you guys are the best we will see you all next week from executive producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire AfterBuzz tv staff we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz tv network 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Yeah, later. That is the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.